Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Three areas of scripture tonight. Um, Luke chapter 12, Ezekiel 36, Zechariah chapter 12. Now, I would encourage you with tonight's Bible study, you may have to listen two or three times, um, but I would pray that uh, the Lord will help you to understand as we walk through um, the signs of our own times, the signs of our own times as we continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, I hope that you uh, enjoyed Food Truck Thursday. Um, uh, yeah, Tony, you and me both, brother. Um, the only thing is I, I love the street dogs. The street dogs don't love me. Um, yeah, so uh, for those of you that are praying people, just pray for my stomach through this whole course of Bible study. Uh, I really do love street And I, I literally eat it within probably a minute and a half. Like it's not maybe less than that. Um, but uh, my stomach goes, what are you putting in me? Um, Luke chapter 12, Ezekiel 36, Zechariah chapter 12. If you were baptized last Saturday and you're here tonight, we just want to honor your presence. So just lift up your hands and we just want to say thank God for you guys. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do come before you and asking with the sensitivity of tonight's study that you would minister to us according to your word. We love you, Lord, and we want to faithfully, faithfully follow hard after you, even in these days. So give us peace. Though the world is seemingly in the midst of chaos, you're in control. And if anyone should express the pieces that passes understanding, it should be Christians. Forgive us, Lord, for worry. For you say, do not worry. Forgive us for fear. How many times did you tell us in Scripture, do not fear? You know humanity. So I pray now that you would minister to us according to your word and allow these signs of the times to remind us to look up. Our redemption draws near. In Jesus' name. This past Sunday, in the course of, dis- of talking about the cross, I mentioned the prophetic nature of Scripture and how the chaos of the cross should not deceive you to believe anything other than that God was in control. And I showed you how God had detailed the events of the cross to the place of even convincing Joseph of Arimathea that he truly was the Son of God. Well, in the course of that, I said that we needed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem as we had witnessed the events over the period of a day of what was going on in Israel as we are all aware to this particular day. 
Well, only being a day out of the news, I wanted us to prepare our hearts in prayer. That's why I said on Sunday that we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because we needed to have a better understanding of what exactly was going on so that we'd have a better understanding of a good place to begin. Now, with all of us having some grasp of what's going on in our world, I want to remind you, would you take a look at the screen at the events in Israel? Young children, start from here. This one... It's not a war. It's not a battlefield. You see the babies, the mothers, the fathers in their bedrooms, in their protection rooms, and how the terrorists kill them, it's not a war, it's not a battlefield. It's a massacre, it's a terror act- activity. So you can look it about in, on yourself, it's something that I never saw in my life. All right, there is the security team over here, combat soldiers, um, opening the houses, just looking for another, looking, looking, looking for another uh, terrorist, maybe, if there is. Uh, after that, I'm a search and rescue unit. We are going to salvage uh, what's left, um, unfortunately. Who could do this? They must have shed their humanity, and what's left is something inhuman. To see baby carriages with bullet holes in them and blood. Who goes up to a baby and kills a baby? Who kills a mother? I, I see the bodies in their homes. It's important for us to stop just for a minute and recognize the tremendous loss in the nation of Israel. We mourn with the nation. Israel reporting over 1,200 people have been massacred. Now, I need to help you understand what that means. If we were to take this proportion as the Israeli population to the 1,200 people that were massacred, it would be like over 33,000 people in a town being killed in one day. Look at the American response to 9-11 after losing almost 3,000 people, much less 33,000. The atrocities have been detailed throughout the news media, so I'm not going to take the time to walk through that with you this evening. It's estimated currently that there are about 100 to 150 hostages who have been taken. Some of them are Holocaust survivors. They're in their 80s. I need you to let you know something. There are Mexicans who have been taken hostage. Brazilians, Americans... Germans, and even people from Thailand, they were taken hostage from that town down in Ashkelon. In response to this, Israel declared war. But it's also important to recognize 
that there are over a thousand Palestinians who have lost their lives. Israel says that many of these Palestinians who've lost their lives are Hamas. Now, I need to help you understand something. Though Hamas is made up of Palestinians, not all Palestinians are Hamas. Some Palestinians are our brothers and sisters in the same way that there are some Jews who have come to Christ that are our brothers and sisters. There are Palestinians who have died in the Gaza Strip. In fact, the Israeli energy minister, Israel Katz, he said this, not a single electricity switch will be flipped on, not a single faucet will be turned on, and not a single fuel truck will enter until the Israeli hostages are returned. In response to this, one of our senators, Senator Bernie Sanders, he denounced Israeli forces for this, calling it a serious violation of international law. The concern are for those Palestinians that are in hospitals, surviving on uh, generators that are running out of fuel and they're on dialysis, or children in need of food as there's been no way for food or energy or anything to get within the uh, uh, Gaza Strip. Now, while Israel has warned those that living in Gaza they need to get out, some say that's not enough. And Israel has dropped flyers and saying, you need to leave, you need to get out. Yet others, while Senator Bernie Sanders might denounce Israel, others stand with Israel in the plight of the Jewish nation to rescue and to save its own. And I don't know if you know this, but if you go to Israel, there's a slogan that you will hear, it's never again. And what they're referring to in the nation of Israel is that we will never allow a Holocaust to ever happen with our people again. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, if you are Jewish in need of rescue, the Jewish nation will be there for you. That's the slogan, never again. But it appears that the whole world is divided on this war. Some world leaders support the war, Some are against the war. Listen to the supreme leader of Iran, Ali Khomeini. He says this, God willing, the cancer of the usurper Zionist regime will be eradicated at the hand of the Palestinian people. The goal of the Khomeini is to destroy the nation of Israel, which he refers to as Zionist. President Macron of France said this, today we... President Macron of France, Chancellor Scholz of Germany, Prime Minister Maloney of Italy, Prime Minister Sunak of the United Kingdom, and President Biden of the United States express our steadfast and united support to the state of Israel and our unequivocal condemnation of Hamas and its appalling acts of terrorism. Some for, some against, even in our own country. Recently, some Harvard University students stood up against Israel, stating, we, the undersigned, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the unfolding violence. Pro-Palestinian marches happen in New York and in Australia, chanting things like 700, 700, proud of the fact that 700 Israeli died in Israel. One was interviewed that I happened to listen to. 
And she was asked, do you think babies should die? Her response was, all Israelis deserve it. Some are against. But some are for Israel. A billionaire of a hedge fund CEO, Bill Ackman, he says, on the other hand, I demand to know the names of the students at Harvard University who signed that letter so that no employer will ever hire them again. In fact, the Empire State Building and the British Parliament was lit blue and white in their support of the nation of Israel. People are gathering in vigils around the world. In fact, so much so, a clash in the Kensington Tube in London, there was a clash between a pro-Israel group and a pro-Palestinian group that the police had to get involved. I don't know if you know this. There was a vigil held at the University of Florida. Thousands of people showed up. And in the middle of the vigil, a woman fainted. And her faint caused panic through the whole crowd. A stampede happened and 30 people were majorly injured because a woman fainted. That moment expresses the reality that this war is putting people on edge. In fact, the world's on edge. Because everyone seems to have opinions about the nation of Israel. This nation is the size of New Jersey. This small little nation is the size of New Jersey. It only boasts a population of 9 million people. Why does this nation boast such global appeal? Because God said it would. It's Zechariah chapter 12. Would you take a look at the screen? Zechariah chapter 12. This is verse 2 and 3. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Okay, we'll turn there. Let's go ahead and just go there. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are against it. Listen to what God says about the nation of Israel in the last days. All nations will be against it. We are living in those last days. We are watching the birth pains of those last days as we see nations coming against Israel because God said they would. Now, Christians are on both sides of this issue. And the reason why Christians are on both sides of this issue is due to the human tragedy on both sides. In fact, I've spent several days looking online and every view in the Christian world is represented online. Yet as believers, the Bible says that we are called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's Psalm chapter 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem... We're actually praying the prayer of Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Listen to what the revelator said. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Because the only person that will bring peace to the Middle East, true peace, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who brought peace to your heart. 
As I went online, I also noted all kinds of prophetic messages that are being presented. Prophetic messages about the last days. You can go online and you could probably watch every pastor you know that has a message concerning we are in the last days. Hello, we know that. We are in the last days. Your pastor is not going to give you anything new. We are in the last days. Amen? Amen. Jesus could come at any time for his church. Amen? Amen? These are the last days. Just read 1 Timothy and you'll see the last days. Just read 2 Timothy. You'll see the last days. We are living in the last days. So what do we do with that? Take a look, if you would, go with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, we'll pick it up in verse 54. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, we will pick it up in verse 54. Then he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, in other words, when you see a cloud coming up over the Mediterranean Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, you know a storm is coming. So it's like common sense. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather because from the south is the desert. So you know it's the Santa Ana winds. And you know when the Santa Ana winds are blowing, we're going to have 100 degree weather here in San Pedro, Gardena, and Carson. Amen? Amen. Hypocrites. Not you. Take a look at the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. Verse 56. You guys thought I was calling you hypocrites. The way you looked at me just now, you're about to get up and walk out. You take it however you feel. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern the time? Did you know that a hypocrite was attached to not being able to discern the times? And how many Christians have no idea about what's going on in the Middle East or could care less because it doesn't affect our own backyard? And as long as we got the oil coming, we're good to go. I need to fuel my car and it needs to at least be under $8. God help, God help us. But Jesus says, it's important for us as true believers to be able to, listen carefully, discern the time. And in a sense, I need to help you discern sometimes. The nation of Israel is a prophetic time clock for all of history. The nation of Israel, just watch the nation of Israel. Pay attention to what's going on in Israel. You will know, look up, your redemption draws near. Pay attention to the nation of Israel. Let me prove it. Even with the seven feasts found in Leviticus chapter 23 is the entire history of our Lord Jesus Christ. Leviticus gives the history of our Lord with the seven feasts of Israel. I'm going to prove it to you. You'll see it in the first slide. Take a look at the first slide. These are the four spring feasts. These have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. They've already happened. 
Take a look. The first one is the Feast of Passover. This is when Jesus Christ died. We studied this on Sunday. When Jesus Christ died at 3 o'clock, when the Passover lamb died, he became the Passover lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's fulfilled the Feast of Passover. He fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread. By his death, he removed sin. He, his body did not see corruption. While he was in his grave, his body did not see corruption. Take a look at the Feast of First Fruits. That's the third fall, excuse me, spring feast. Jesus is the first fruit from the dead. Now let me know, let you know when the Feast of First Fruits is. It's on Resurrection Sunday. So there's Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, three days later, the Feast of first fruits, when Jesus would be the first fruit from the dead. Those three feasts fulfilled. Fifty days from the Passover, Sabbath of the Passover, fifty days from the Passover of the, uh, excuse me, from the Passover of, excuse me, the Sabbath of the Passover is what is known as the Feast of Penta. Fifty days, Pentecost. This is when the spirit of Christ was given to the church. All four feasts fulfilled in Christ. Now we have the next three feasts. These three feasts are the fall feasts. And these three feasts have been yet fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The first one is the Feast of Trumpets. Do, 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 do. Okay. The trumpet blows. Do you know what that's called? The rapture of the church. When we hear Jesus say, come on up here, and we meet Christ in the air. So I'm expecting around October, Rosh Hashanah-ish, we should expect the rapture. Amen? Amen. The next feast is the Day of Atonement, known as Yom Kippur. This is the day that the high priest, we talked about this in the book of Hebrews, would go in year after year after year, proving that the high priest could not get rid of sin. Only Jesus Christ could. He had to go in every year, every year, every year, proving that sin was not taken away. It was simply covered over. The day of atonement is when Jesus Christ will come again. His second coming. Not for the church. This is when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and says, are you guys messing with Jerusalem? Because now I'm messing with you. Big deal. Big deal. The next feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. That feast is not yet fulfilled because that's when Jesus will tabernacle or will dwell with us for a thousand years known as the millennial reign of Christ. And that's when the church gets to rule and reign with Jesus. I'm asking for New Zealand, so I thought maybe I'd go visit it before I actually rule and reign over it with the Lord Jesus. Amen? If you're asking for New Zealand, ask for Fiji, okay? You get someplace else. As we are waiting for these fall three feasts to be fulfilled, it shouldn't put us on edge. What's happening with Israel shouldn't put us on edge. It should cause us to look up. Our redemption draws near. Now, let me explain when Jesus is communicating that, what he says. God is allowing all of these things to go like this to the human race. 
there's a God. There's a God. And the reason why I've told you all these things is that when they come to pass, you, like Joseph of Arimathea, will go, there's a God. There's a God. His hope is that you'll look up and that you'll realize that the redemption of Christ is drawing near and that you will give your life to Christ. Now, let me explain, Christian. We're his ambassadors. We've already given our life to God. So it's important for us to discern the times because I don't want to be called a hypocrite. It's important for us to discern the times because we've got to recognize the times we're in, that the time is short. And the person that you pass by every day and have not given the gospel, they will be left behind. Look up. Our redemption draws near. Now, I know there are many people that are on edge. And the reason I know is you've called, you've texted, you've emailed. We've gotten everything from, why didn't Pastor Chet say anything about Israel on Sunday? Rewatch the sermon. You fell asleep during that part. <laughs> well, when is Pastor Chet going to say something about Israel? Hey, church, there's something that you need to know about prophecy. Everybody runs to it when a catastrophe happens. And sometimes people will say things and they will speak into something that's not there. And I'm going to express that to you in just a moment, but for the meantime, I'm going to give you an illustration. World War II put the church on edge. And something happened that wasn't great for God's kingdom as someone spoke something into prophecy that wasn't there. Ralph and Edith Norton, you'll see their picture on the screen, They were missionaries from the United States of America that went to Europe. They were powerful ministers of Christ. They won thousands to Christ in Europe. And in the intermeal of World War I and World War II, they specifically gained a heart for Belgian soldiers that they started a mission known as the Belgian Gospel Mission. During the interwar period of World War I and World War II, they were the most influential, Billy Grahams, the most influential evangelists in all of Europe. Everybody knew them. Everybody knew who they were. Now, maybe you're being educated as to who they were, but if you lived back in the intramural time between World War I and World War II, you knew who the Nortons were as you might know who Billy Graham is. Well, when World War II broke out, They asked for an audience with Mussolini, who was the, well, he called himself the El Duce, the leader of Italy. And in this letter that you see on the screen was Mussolini's response to the Nortons that he was willing to meet with them. So when the Nortons met with him, being premillennialists, being just like us, they believed in the rapture of the church and they believed in the thousand-year reign of Christ. They asked him, are you planning to reconstitute the Roman Empire? Mussolini goes, I didn't know anything about reconstituting the Roman Empire. I mean, tell me about it. So Mussolini and the Nortons went through 
all of the prophecy in regards to the Antichrist, and the Nortons looked at Mussolini and says, we believe that you're the Antichrist. (laughs) When Mussolini heard that the Antichrist would have world dominion, he was so excited that he humbly, fully embraced the role as the Antichrist. This spread like wildfire through the church. We're in the end times. Mussolini's the Antichrist. He's actually admitted it. What a backfire in regards to the Norton's ministry. Because when Mussolini was executed, the church went silent on prophecy and premillennialism because they were wrong. We've got to be careful how we speak into prophecy. We've got to be careful how we look at a world cataclysmic event and then all of a sudden try to find. But the one thing that you can do is you can look to Israel as a time clock of world history in regards to God. So what we're going to do tonight is not speak into things that are not there. We've got to be careful to know what we know And to know what will be, will be. And we need to be silent on the things that Scripture is silent on and not work ourselves up into a tizzy, trying with all the latest conspiracy theories that are out there, but understand what Scripture says about Israel, church history, and God's appointed times. So let's understand the times to know God's plan for world history. There's five things I want you to know. Maybe write down the first one. God formed the nation of Israel. He formed it. God formed the nation of Israel. And what I'm going to do is give you a little bit of history lesson to lead to our current day so that you can understand what's happening today. First and foremost, God formed the nation of Israel. Just like he made man, he made the nation of Israel. It didn't exist before. He made the nation of Israel. Take a look at Deuteronomy. It's on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 through 8. Look, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Small little group. Remember, Abraham only had 318 fighting men, and he defeated five armies. Okay, do you remember that? He was a powerful man, not because of his number, but because of his God. Then he goes on to say, For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, speaking to Abraham, he made a promise to Abraham and he was going to fulfill it. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, so delivered them from Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Let me tell you what happened. God spoke to Abraham. And Abraham had a promise from God that there was going to be a nation, okay? Now take a look what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 135, verse 4, speaking of this nation. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. This goes all the way back to Father Abraham. You remember, Father Abraham had many sons. Great. So... Do you know what I love about you guys? Especially Thursday. You know what I love about you? 
That was the first time we ever sang that song in the history of our church. And you all were singing it like you knew it. I just love that about this church. You don't know it. You don't know what it sounds like. You don't even know where the melody is going. But you're just, Jesus lives in me. I'm like, God bless Thursday night. I love you guys. Okay. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Father Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, his name was Abram, became Abraham. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you go with us to Israel, I always say, bring a lot of money. Blessed you, God will bless you. Okay, it's just the way that it goes. Now listen, listen to what he said to Father Abraham. I'm going to make a nation out of you. Abraham has Isaac. Well, before he had Isaac, he, he really messed up with Hagar. Okay, had Ishmael. We've got problem ever since. Then Abraham begot Isaac, begot Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. They weren't exactly godly. God was trying to form his nation, but the sons of Jacob, the 12 guys, they're, well, they're marrying all kinds of people. And God told them, no. You can only do marry within your family. Remember, there was no law back then. Moses came much later. So you know what God did? They went to Egypt. And when they went to Egypt, I need to let you know something about the Egyptians. The Egyptians would not marry the Israelis because the Egyptians believed they were descendants of Ra. They were descendants of the sun god. So you couldn't mix the Egyptian blood with a peasant, a sheep herder. So you know what God was doing over the course of 400 years? He was raising up a purely Jewish nation. The Egyptians would not marry in them. And then God delivers them. And they walk out of Israel, five million strong, a complete nation as they're going through. God formed the nation of Israel. I need to help you understand something about Israel. It's better to stand with Israel. Let me explain why. Look at Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. The apple of your eye is the little black dot called the pupil. And it's the thing that when you look into someone's pupil, you can see your own reflection. And let me tell you something. If someone was coming towards you with a pin towards your pupil, what would you do? Everything you could to protect it. And what God is saying is this. You mess with Israel. You mess with my eye. Israel's like the apple of my eye. And the blessing that God gave to Abram, the blessing to all nations, we get to experience his name is Jesus. It is from the line of Abraham that we get our precious Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He has blessed the nations and peace can be found in Christ alone. Number one, God formed the nation of Israel. Number two, God scattered the nation of Israel. 
God brought them into the land of Canaan. God gave them the land. It's called the book of Joshua. And the Bible says that after they fought all their victories, Joshua says he's got peace. And he says, you know the verse. He says, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what the book of Judges starts with? The very next book. And every man was doing whatever they wanted. The very next generation after Joshua the conqueror. God told him in the law. Deuteronomy 28, God told him in the law in Leviticus 26. If you don't obey, I'm going to scatter you among the nations. God made that very clear. So what Jeremiah does when the children of Israel get sent to Babylon, he sums up their entire national history in one verse. It's Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 23. And they came in, took possession of the land, but they've not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They've done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. You told them in Deuteronomy that if you don't obey, I'm going to scatter you. Even Jesus warned of the disobedience to the nation of Israel. In Mark chapter 13, verse 2, when they were talking about how beautiful the temple was. Remember, we studied this. Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And it happened in 70 AD when the Roman general Titus marched in Jerusalem and took every brick apart in the temple to get the gold out that was the mortar of the temple. And you know what happened? The Jews were scattered around the Roman world. That's why Jews found themselves in Europe. That's why Jews found themselves all throughout North Africa. That's why Jews found themselves all throughout the Roman world. They were scattered, and Israel was brought to ruins. But God made another promise. It's number three. God would regather the nation of Israel. It's Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. Would you take a look at the screen? Isaiah 66, verse 8. The Bible says, who's heard such a thing? Who's seen such things? Shall the earth be made, give, made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Ezekiel 36. Verse 24, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land, and surprise, surprise, in one day, May 14th, 1948, the nation of Israel was reborn. And let me tell you why, because God said it would, period. Now, let me tell you why that's such a big deal. No other nation in the history of the world lost its land regained its heritage, and reformed after 2,000 years of losing its land. In fact, prior to 1948, many scholars struggled with the prophecies of Israel in the end times because there was no Israel. 
So in Zechariah, when we're going to read that the nations are against Israel, scholars were trying to figure out Zechariah chapter 12 because there was no Israel. There was no Israel at all. They couldn't understand because there was no Israel prior to May 14, 1948. But God told Daniel something. When Daniel couldn't understand a vision that was given to him, God speaks to him. Daniel chapter 12, you'll see it on the screen. God speaks to him in Daniel chapter 12, verse 8. Although I heard, I didn't understand. I saw the vision. I knew what's going to happen in the end, but I didn't understand it. I, I, I didn't understand CNN. I saw it. I didn't understand Fox News. I didn't understand satellite. I didn't understand cell phones. I saw it all, but I didn't know how to explain it. Then I said, can you imagine Daniel trying to explain an iPhone? Well, it's a little square thing, and you can see people all around the world in just a minute. John did it. Do you remember when John was writing about the two witnesses that died in the first century? He says, the whole world watched and celebrated. How did he know there was going to be CNN in the first century world? He was doing his best to explain a TV. Take a look. I heard I didn't understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Oh my goodness, I think I saw the end, and what is it going to look like? And he said, God, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Daniel says, I don't get it. God says, I know, but it will be progressively revealed with time. And as we get closer and closer to the end, and when May 1948 happens, all the biblical scholars that couldn't figure out the nation of Israel, and I reform Israel in one day, just like I said in the Word. I can't can't believe you don't believe me. Just like I said in my Word, then you will get it. Last day's end times prophecy is progressively revealed as God allows history to happen. So Israel, they became a nation. And let me tell you why. Because God said they would. This is the vision that God gave Ezekiel. Do you remember the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 36 and 37? When the dry bones come to life, Israel's revived as a nation. In fact, I've asked you to turn there. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. This, I pray, will blow your mind. Take a look, Ezekiel 36. And you, verse 1, son of man, Prophesy to the mountains of Israel. Say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, okay? Because the enemy has said of you, Aha! The ancient heights have become our possession. Remember what happened. Israel was not there for 2,000 years, and all the surrounding nations took possession of the land of Israel. Keep that in mind. Aha! The ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slandered by the people. Oh, those Jews, they lost their land. They'll never get their land back. Therefore, I added that, by the way, to verse 3. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Stop for a minute. Hear the word of the Lord God. When God says the nation's going to be reformed, don't struggle with your theology. Just wait for the nation to be reformed and you'll understand that Israel's around. 
The Lord God said, Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastes, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I've spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession, with a wholehearted joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder its open country. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel, say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys, thus says the Lord God, behold, I've spoken in my jealousy and my fury, because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. How many more times will he say, trust my word? I've raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. I need you to see the future of the nations around Israel. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and shall yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. Do you know that Israel today is the number one exporter to Europe of fruits and vegetables? Let me read on. For indeed, I am for you. Oh, I love that. And I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. Look at verse 10. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. Stop there for a moment. In 1948, the population of Israel was 700,000 Jews. Just 70 years later, as the nation has regathered, there are 9 million Jews in the nation of Israel. He says, I'll rebuild your cities. Have you ever been to Tel Aviv? Take a look. I don't want you guys to think they live in a village. When you go to Tel Aviv, in fact, this picture, if you see all the way in the back, you'll see cranes uh, uh, going up on the the far right-hand side. You'll see some cranes going up, right? All through Tel Aviv, it looks like those birds because there are cranes that are going up all over the place and skyscrapers that are just going up all over the place. The nation has been rebuilt. Let me tell you what Tel Aviv looked like 70 years ago. A desert. Because God said that the desert would bloom. He said that he would rebuild the cities. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 11. I will multiply upon you man and beast. Stop there for a moment. Today, Israel boasts... Israel's dairy industry produces the highest milk yield per cow worldwide. They are recognized for their industrious way to be able to have their cows produce more milk than any other cow. They produce more milk than Texas. Did you know that? Ezekiel 36, 11 knew it. You may not have known it, but God knew their, their cows would produce some 2%. I'm telling you. And obviously, milk is very important to God. I'll multiply you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I'll make you inhabited as in former times and do better for you than at your beginnings. Do better? 
Do you know that the GDP of Israel is $522 billion? They are currently ranked by the World Bank the fourth most successful economy in the world. Today. Do you know out of Israel the first PC processor was invented? Newsweek named Tel Aviv the 10 most uh, technological city in the world. Do you know that in Tel Aviv the Waze app was invented? Do you know that the Iron Dome that just protected Israel when the rockets were coming over were invented and created in Israel and everybody made fun of Ronald Reagan when he was talking about Star Wars and yet Israel's living in it because they invented it. Do you know that Israel is both the eighth most powerful nation in the world. Their military, the the Israeli Defense Force, is the eighth most powerful nation in the world. Let me tell you why. Because God said, I will regather them. And he's doing it. We've seen it happen. Okay, God formed the nation. Check. Okay, God gave them the land. Check. Okay, God scattered them because they're disobedience. Just like he said, check. Okay, God said, even though he scattered them, he will regather them. Check. Number four. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 38. God will rescue the nation of Israel. God will rescue the nation of Israel. Take a look. Verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog. Now, many theologians believe this to be Russia, even though it is a theological debate at present. So I don't want you to walk away going, Russia is the Gog and Magog. It may be, many theologians believe it is, Gog and Magog of the land of the north, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against you. O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws. Now, anytime, let me explain. To put a hook in someone's jaw, you were captured. They would put a hook in your cheek, and they would carry you from the land of Israel across the Fertile Crescent back to Babylon, and you'd have a hook in your nose or a hook in your cheek. It wasn't a pleasant experience. You were being led there by force. And many theologians believe that Russia is going to be pulled by force into the conflict against Israel. Put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handing swords. In partnership, take a look at verse 5, with Persia, modern-day Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them. All of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarmar, from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Every nation mentioned in verse 5 are modern day Muslim nations that hate Israel. And I'm going to bring Russia along with all of the nations that hate Israel, all of the Muslim nations that hate Israel, and they're going to attack Israel. Hello? Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. 
After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. So you're going to come against Israel that's been regathered, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them, look carefully, now all of them dwell safely. No one expected an attack. You will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land with a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You'll say, I'll go up against a land of unwalled villages. I'll go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither Bars nor gates. What does the world community want Israel to do with the wall that surrounds it? Bring it down. To take plunder and to take booty. Stop there if you would, because then we begin to see the reason. The surrounding nations invade Israel. Do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, I need to let you know something about Ezekiel 38. God supernaturally intervenes like he did during the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago to the day Hamas went into Israel this past Saturday. 50 years ago, during the Yom Kippur War, Israel is invaded by all of the nations that surrounded it. And in just a few days... They defeated every nation. Israel got a lot of credit, but let me tell you something. God was behind every bit of it. Don't mess with the apple of God's eye. And God reveals why the nations want Israel. They want to plunder. There seems to be this big issue of land. But the real issue always boils down to money. They want to plunder the nation of Israel. Now, I need to let you know something about this battle. Listen carefully. We may or may not be here for Ezekiel 38. We may or may not be here. You see, we believe in the imminence of the rapture of the church. In other words... It could happen at any moment. We are not waiting for any other prophetic thing to happen for the rapture of the church. Any moment. Twinkling of an eye. Twinkling of an eye. We'll meet the Lord in the air, and we get to do Revelation 4 and 5. We get to worship God while seven years of hell are happening on earth. Now, let me explain. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Take a look at the screen. Revelation 119 is a table of contents of the book of Revelation. Revelation 119 is a table of contents for the book of Revelation. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are. That's Revelation 2 and 3. And the things will take place after this. That's Revelation chapter uh, uh, 4 all the way to the end. Revelation 22. It's a table of contents. Well, let me explain something. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus writes a letter, seven letters to the church. They're a message for the churches then, 
And they're a message for the church now. I call it pillow talk with the bride. He's just telling the bride everything that's going to happen in the end times. And he's warning the bride. He's letting the bride know, you're the bride, you're the church. I need to let you know what's going to happen, honey. These are the things that are going to happen. And I'm only telling the church, and only the church will understand. It's the book of Revelation. Revelation 2 and 3 is a letter to the churches. Then all of a sudden, Revelation 4, John hears, come up here. And the Christian in the book of Revelation goes up to heaven. Worship service. Behold the Lamb of God. We worship Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And let me tell you something about Revelation 6. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. The church is never mentioned again. You know why? We're gone. And the church is not mentioned again until Revelation 19 when we return with Jesus Christ. We are not objects of God's wrath. Now just imagine. This crisis in Israel is a big deal. It seems like it will never be solved. But Daniel tells us actually one day it will be. A really good-looking man comes out of the Roman Empire. He's a great speaker. He's a military genius. He's not ugly. He's actually a good-looking guy. He's known as the anti-Christ. He's the counterfeit Christ. He's kind. He's gentle, but he's got an ulterior motive. In fact, when you meet him, you're like, I like that guy. He's a good guy. You see how firm his hands shake it, but yet he's so gentle with the ladies. Oh, he's such a great guy. You'll love this guy. He's such a great speaker. He's, oh, sometimes he makes you laugh, sometimes he makes you cry. I mean, like, he is just a great speaker. And he's going to come on the scene. Take a look, Daniel chapter 9. And after the 62 weeks... Messiah shall be cut off, so Jesus dies, but not for himself. So he doesn't die because he sinned. He died for the sins of the world. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the Romans will come in, like I told you, in 70 AD and destroy the temple. The end, by the way, Daniel was written hundreds of years before any of this happened. Keep that in mind. The end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Then he, speaking of the Antichrist, shall confirm a peace treaty, a covenant with the whole world, with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, uh uh-oh, ulterior motive, sweet, kind, and gentle, turn to devil. In the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. That means the Jews have initiated the sacrifice and the offering back in the rebuilt temple. It's not built yet, but it's going to be. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now, I know that's a desolate, consummate, like all those words. Let me tell you what that means. Revelation defines what he does. He goes in the temple and he goes, I'm God, worship me. Three and a half year mark of the seven year tribulation. Antichrist says, ha ha, fooled you Jews. Worship me, built your temple, but it really was for me. And now you need to worship me. And if you don't worship me, We're going to kill you. Sound familiar? It's the spirit of the Antichrist. We're going to kill all the Jews. It goes all the way back to when the nation came out of Egypt. Amalek. 
you remember Amalek? He attacked the old ladies and the young, and he slit their throats, and he killed the ones that were lagging behind and couldn't run. Spirit of Amalek. Then a little bit later, the spirit of Haman. Oh, you know Haman. Haman was the book of Esther. And what did he want to do? Wipe out all the Jews. Spirit of the Antichrist. And then there was the spirit of Hitler. And what did Hitler want to do? Exterminate the Jews around the world. You have to understand something. The Jews are the apple of God's eye. That's why the devil wants them gone. Because whatever God loves, Satan hates. And he's the ruler of this world. And he uses people to hurt the Jews. Listen, if you can't get to me, who do you go to? My family. So Satan's going after the apple of God's eye. But finally, number five, God will redeem the nation. You see, when they gathered first, they gathered in unbelief. But I want to gloriously tell you that one day they will gather in belief. Go back with me to Zechariah. I want you to see this. We're almost through. Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. We read it earlier. All of the nations will gather against Israel. Take a look, verse 3. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. The world is against Israel. And in that moment, go over to verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Israel will go, it's Jesus. We killed him. We put him on the cross. Forgive us. That's the spirit of grace. You felt it before. Have you ever come forward at church and you feel something come upon you and you know you need to repent so you get up out of your seat and you come forward? That's God pouring out the spirit of grace on you. And what he's going to do is pour out the spirit of grace on the entire nation of Israel so that they can repent. Now you might ask, well, how will they even know that Jesus is on the scene? Aha. Zechariah tells us. Look at Zechariah chapter 14. Go there with me if you would. Please look at the calamity in chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. This is the spirit of the Antichrist working in the world today, causing the nations to hate Israel. It's already in the world today. For I'll gather them all. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, speaking of Jerusalem, and the women ravished. 
half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of the battle. Take a look at verse 4. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half toward toward the south. This will be Jesus in this moment when all the nations have gathered against Jerusalem and it seems that Jerusalem is about to go down. Are you messing with my people? And all of Israel will look. It's Jesus. The one that we pierced. We repent. Savior, save us. It's better to be on the side of Israel. Because Israel is the apple of God's eye. Don't mess with Israel. When I was in Liberia, we had to put our bed in the center of the room because people, thieves, would come at night, reach their hand through our window, and try to grab like necklaces off of our necks. So we learned the hard way. One night I woke up and someone was reaching towards Andrea. So I had a machete, and I took that. You're touching the apple of my eye. So I took that machete. The thief screamed at me. I thought you were a missionary. You know what I screamed back? I was much younger. This is what I screamed back. I'm a different kind of missionary. You put your arm back in here, you will leave your hand behind. I'm trying to express to you, God is very aware of what's going on with the nation of Israel because even though the world is spinning out of control, God is in complete control. And now I want to tell you why. Because you've got to move from fear to faith. Just this week, The former Hamas leader, now you need to understand what Hamas means, Islamic resistance movement. He says, former Hamas leader Khaled Michel calls for a day of jihad on Friday, October 13th, tomorrow. He says, this is a moment of truth and the borders are close to you, speaking to Jordan. You all know your responsibility to all scholars who teach jihad, that's holy war against Israel, or infidels, that's us too. To all who teach and learn, this is a moment for application. We declare next Friday, that's tomorrow, as a day of general mobilization of our Arab and Islamic world and among the free people of the world. It's a day for sacrifice, for heroism, and dedication to earn the honor. If you die, listen carefully, a radical Islamist, if you die in jihad, you go straight to heaven. There's no guarantee of salvation in Islam, but if you die as a martyr, you go straight to heaven. Listen to these words. To earn the honor of defending the third holiest mosque, that's the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, 
and the ascension of the trusted messenger, that's the Dome of the Rock, where Muhammad was said to ascend into heaven. Are you freaking out? If you are, you've missed the whole message. God's in control. The reality is that every one of the days of our life that are ordained to be will happen. Church, truly it might be well for us to be cautious. But God told us hundreds of times in the Scripture Do not fear, for I am with you. When I was in Brazil, and I close here, I promise. I do promise. This is it. We were ministering in a favela. Now, if you know anything about Brazil, we were in Rio de Janeiro, and we were in a favela. A favela is like a... the hood. I was ministering to a guy, and um, he looked at me. He received, he was totally high, drunk, out of his mind. But a friend of mine, my, actually my assistant at the time, her brother got saved while he was just obliterated out of his mind high. Okay, like he was just high on everything. And he got saved and sobered. So I'm ministering to this guy, And at first I thought, he's drunk, he's just going to, whatever. Then all of a sudden, the spirit fell in the place. The guy received Jesus, and he was like sober in like three minutes. It was amazing. He looked at me, and he said, my friends are going to kill me. I mean, we say that in the United States of America all the time. My friends are going to kill me. Like, my wife's going to kill me if I do this. My brother's going to kill me if I do that. Like, we say it all the time. So I thought, your friends are going to kill you. About five minutes later, a guy shows up pulls a nine-inch blade out, his friend pulls a nine-inch blade out of, uh, uh, out of his side and right in front of me, five feet in front of me, stabs his friend as his friend goes like this. He stabs him right here. I watch the whole thing. The next thing I know, the guy is running away. He's bleeding everywhere. And the friend is swiping him with his nine-inch blade. As I'm just standing there. I can't move. You know that fright or flight? Fright took over. I couldn't move. I was like, there I was. I've got my feet in cement. I don't know why I can't run. But I'm like, I I just can't can't do anything. The guy runs up to me. Now, this is not my friend's story. This is my story. The guy with the blade comes right in front of me. He's speaking in Portuguese. Now, I need to tell you. (laughs) Sorry. Give you a little comment break. I don't speak Portuguese well. And I was telling the guy that Jesus died for your sins, and he bust out laughing. And I go, why are you laughing at me? I'm trying to tell you that Jesus died for sins. He goes, you actually just told me that Jesus killed my fish. <laughs> sins and fish are very similar, I guess. So I, I let it, just imagine, I led him to the Lord by telling him Jesus killed your fish. So the guy is screaming in Portuguese. I can't speak any Portuguese. I don't know. He's got the blade. And I hear, and I'm backed up to a van. I don't know where to go. And God speaks to me. 
do not fear. I'm with you. You know what I said out loud? I don't see you. I don't see you anywhere. I said it out loud. (laughs) I did. I said it out loud. You say you're here. Where are you? (laughs) I am like a Christian screw-up, and I, I don't mind telling you. And the guy started screaming. He started yelling. And God just kept ministering. Don't fear. I'm with you. Don't fear. I'm with you. And he ran away. He didn't stab me. Thirty minutes later, we were back on the outreach. A friend of mine called me, who was on the outreach with me in a different place in the favela. He called me on the cell phone. I picked up. He goes, we are sick. He goes, most people that almost get stabbed, they get to the airport, they get out of the airplane. You and me, we just went right back to the outreach. We have a problem. (laughs) The leader of Hamas threatened the world because he hates Israel, because the ruler of this world hates Israel. And anyone that's for Israel, according to the leader of Hamas, is not worthy to live. Let me tell you something about our enemy. His only desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. So, Father, I pray supernatural protection over our church, over the state of California, over our nation. I pray, Lord Jesus, that just like you confounded Amalek, just as you confounded Haman, you turned it against Haman. He ended up dying. Just like you confounded Hitler, would you turn the plans of the enemy and protect the apple of your eye. Thank you, Jesus, that as the church were grafted in We don't replace the nation of Israel, but you adopted us, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we stand? I'm going to ask as... I know you guys are ready to sing a song. Sorry, God bless you. You're great. Did you not love that hymn earlier? Before you go, I'm just going to simply pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Would you go with me as we worship in prayer? Our Father, I do come before you and I ask God that you would bring peace to Jerusalem. You are able. And your word says that there are going to be bad things that happen. You don't hide the truth. You don't hide it. In the same way you told the church. In this world, you will have tribulation. You're fair enough to tell us. You're just. 
to tell us what we're signing up for. And Lord, as the leader of Hamas sends a message out to the world, I pray that in our world tomorrow, as people are afraid, that we will have a peace that passes understanding. In a world that seems like chaos, we recognize you knew all of this. You're in control. So would you pour out a spirit of peace upon us? We can stand as a light and know these are the last days. And you are knocking on people's hearts to look up. Use us as your ambassadors. Jesus, would you stop the carnage in Israel and Palestine, the Gaza Strip? We don't want to see any more lives lost, Lord. It grieves our heart. God, I've been through war. And the only word that describes war is loss. You lose your family. You lose your house. You lose your school. You lose your job. You lose your retirement. So, Lord, would you step in just like you're going to step in on the Mount of Olives? Would you end this? We're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And we believe you hear us. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.